Hello, and welcome to the podcast, An Intelligent Look at Terrorism. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Boreal's Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. And it's been an interesting week for us here in Canada. This is being recorded on the 26th of May, 2020. And a week ago, we had a, a first in Canadian law. We had a young man who and who killed a woman and wounded another in, outside a, an erotic massage parlor in Toronto back in February, who was originally charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder, and has now been charged with terrorism. This has never happened in Canadian history, where somebody who was not an Islamist extremist who carried out or planned a violent offense was charged with terrorism. So it made big news up here and led to a fascinating conversation about just what the heck is an incel? This guy's an alleged incel or involuntary celibate. And is this really terrorism or more of a hate crime slash hateful misogyny? So to help me understand the world of incels, I am very pleased to have with me on the podcast today, Nana Cates, who is a filmmaker and a podcast producer. She's from the, she's an American, grew up in the East Coast. And a few years ago, just kind of like me, she discovered the the joy of, of podcasts and storytelling. And she has a fascinating project called The Incel Project, which is a series of podcasts she produces weekly for the Crawl Space Media Network. And she's on the line with me today. So thanks very much for joining me, Nama. Thanks for having me, Phil. And thanks for the introduction. So I, I, I got to ask you this, uh, you know, my understanding of incels is that these are, are people largely male, but not exclusively male. I just listened to a fascinating podcast with Bruce Hoffman at George Washington University in which there are femcels, so female incels. But I think for most of us, we consider most of them to be male and they seem to have issues with women uh, in terms of forming relationships, especially sexual ones. So how did you get involved in talking to incels in the first place? Um, that's a good question. I was also listening to that, uh, the webinar too. Um, that was, it was interesting. Um, so I got involved with talking to them in sort of a happenstance way. I was vaguely aware of what incels were at the time. This was a few years ago. And I think I had gotten into a conversation with someone over Twitter or some social media and we started talking. I didn't really know what he wanted to talk about, but after a few minutes of conversation, for some reason, I think maybe he used a word or something, or he, he was offended at something I said that made me ask if he was an incel, and he was. And so... You, you, just, you, went, you just went and asked him that, point blank? Yeah. Um, it, was, it, was, it was an interesting, it was kind of a strange conversation. This was a, a very young person. When we started talking, I assumed that they were... Um, interested in creating content or something like that. And that's why they were reaching out to me because that's usually the only reason that strangers reach out to me over social media, you know, Um, but they weren't and their tone was very casual. And I realized, okay, this person's very young and they were kind of blunt. So normal uh, rules of politeness and conversation were out the window. And I I felt like I could ask. Did you, were you surprised at the fact that he was young? And I, I point to this case in Toronto where the, the the alleged incel is 17 years old. So he's protected under Canadian law. He yeah. can't be named. He's a young, young offender. I don't know. Um, you know, I look back to my time as a teen, as, as a 17-year-old, and I, I, without getting too, too much into the details, yeah, I'm sure that we were all probably, you know, didn't have as many relationships as we would, would have liked to at that time. But is it odd for someone that young to take this, feeling into the ultimate extreme and actually kill somebody over this? Well, yes. To to take it to the extreme and, and kill someone or commit any kind of act of violence is is odd and it's exceptional and it doesn't happen often. It hasn't happened frequently with incels. I mean, if you go by the sort of loosest 
definition of which killers or killings were incel related, there's probably up to at the very most a dozen at this time. And that is a lot since 2014, but, um, but it's not a lot out of the population of the group. There's tens of thousands or probably more. Um, so it's still quite a low rate, you know, most of them don't do that. The vast majority, 99.99999% are not violent. So the, so the vast majority of people who, who self-identify or are part of this loose movement on largely online, I think you'd agree, the vast majority are not violent. Oh yeah. No, not, not at all. And, and the vast majority are not even really hateful or as misogynistic as people think. They're young men that are, you know, at that age, um, people can become very, I, I remember that age and everything seems like it's, you know, going to be forever and mm. everything's really magnified when you're a teenager. And in our society today, there's a lot of pressure to be cool, to fit in, to be sexual, to be successful in that way. Um, and, you know, and they're not, and they're lonely. They tend to be very isolated and they don't fit in. A lot of them don't have friends either. Um, you know, oh, the curse of the curse of being a teen. Oh, I'll never get a date. My face will never clear up. I'll never get. I'll never get a job. I'll never finish school. I'll never pass math class. All that kind of stuff. So, is, is this sort of just a, I don't know, a, a twenty twenty manifestation of teenage angst? Would you Would you put it to that? I, you know, not not to downplay it too much or to make light of it, um, but I think often it is. I mean, it's it's obviously um, more extreme than that. But I think when you have the internet and you have these forums and these terms available to people at the, you know, the tip of your fingers. Um, I can see it being pretty compelling uh, to find something like this when you're kind of asking questions about why can't I get laid? And, and this is what comes up. And all of a sudden you feel like you can relate to everything that's said there. I guess you get access to that. I mean, when we were teens, you, you, you had access to your inner core of friends and now you have access to, potentially tens of thousands of people online who are yeah. going to share your concerns and say, hey, you're right. You are being mistreated or they're not being fair to you. So it's almost like a, like a virtual echo, echo chamber then. Oh yeah, it's definitely an echo chamber. So in the time you've been producing the incel project, now, and I'll, I'll, set, I'll send out a link when, when this is published, how many incels have you talked to? Um, I've talked to probably hundreds at this point. I, I've hundreds. Talked, yeah, and I, I've talked to dozens, even just for the show where we have recorded interviews, and, and many more than that in varying capacities to varying you know um, amounts of conversation. But with, there's there are quite a few of them that I speak to often, even if it's not for the show. Well, that's that's fascinating. Now, one thing that I have learned uh, that uh, in terms of the what they call the literature on incels, so what, what academics refer to as the literature, mm. that is studies and, and publications, it, it's fairly sparse so far, is it not? Yes, it's extremely sparse. Um, okay. There's a handful of, of published peer-reviewed studies at this point, just a handful. So you might be one of the people in the world who've had the greatest experience actually taking the time to talk to these people, to learn about them, what drives them, what their goals are, uh, why they go online and why they share their pain. Would, 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 do you think that'd be an accurate statement? Yes, I, I do. 
Okay, so so enlighten us. What have you learned about the incel movement? And that's a very unfair question because I'm sure, as you said, you know, the vast majority are not violent. It's a very, very, very small fringe that is violent. And 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 don't get me wrong. I think we should treat the violent violent fringe with the utmost of scrutiny from a law enforcement perspective. We should obviously no one wants to see people die because somebody killed them. What have you learned in general about this this amorphous movement? Um. Well, I would say that some kind of unifying characteristics about them. Um, and it's not a monolith, you know, so there, there are many people involved in this. Uh, they come from a diverse backgrounds and they're from all over the world. The ages range. I've had people on the show that are, you know, middle-aged and the vast majority are very, very young. Probably the median age is like 19 or 20. Um, but, but yeah, they, it, there's not. It's not a one size fits all. But I guess to to generalize, there um, a lot of them are, are quite smart. Um, a lot of them are pretty tech savvy, and uh, you know they have kind of an ability to, or, or they want to. They are young men that feel isolated and marginalized, and have some curiosity in them that makes them passionate about these subjects and, and want to look at you know, the world rather than just me. Um, and they want to, and they want to fit in. They, yeah, they do want to fit in. They very badly want to fit in, but when they get into that space, the chat rooms and the incel forums and the, the discord groups where, like you said, it's an echo chamber. Um, they don't talk like they want to fit in, you know, because they found, interestingly, they found social cohesion now some of them for the first time in their lives, they, they don't have friend groups, they don't have peer groups, um, but they have this group. And they found this identity in being kind of antisocial, being a misfit, you know. That's- so, they, so, so they fit in by not fitting in. Yeah, exactly. You know, listen to your talk now, my, I, I really am. It takes me back to my days when I worked in the security service and we were trying to understand why Canadians and, and Westerners writ large were embracing Islamist extremism and going on to join groups like Al-Qaeda and Islamic State. We found there simply was no pattern. There was no mm-hmm. personal background pattern. There's no education background. There's no intelligence background. There was whatever it was. We couldn't nail it. Said, well, a person who exhibits characteristics A, B and C is more likely to yeah. become this kind of person. And you would say the same thing for incels then. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. So, you know, you talk to these guys, and as I said, um, some of them could be that sort of very, very thin wedge of the the violent fringe. Have you ever felt threatened when you when you have your conversations with these people? No, I don't. I I don't, and I haven't really. Um, before I had my first conversation with one that I reached out to once I started this project, there was a little bit of excitement. I don't know what this is going to be like, but I didn't feel threatened. I I feel like when you, when people come across the material and the rhetoric from the forums, it seems, you know, as we heard in the, in the webinar, they were talking about how unpleasant it is to read. And um, it it is, I guess, but maybe I've become a little desensitized to it, or maybe I've just gotten accustomed to their culture. And the fact that most of the reprehensible speech is said ironically, um, it's meant to be shocking. And when you get past that initial outer layer just a tiny bit, even in your first personal interaction, a direct communication with one of them, if it's online or something, 
it, that, that that tone changes a lot. And you see this as a human being who just wants to be heard. Now, last time you and I spoke, you said that you actually got a bit of pushback and not, not very positive pushback by people who thought you shouldn't be talking to these guys. You, you're actually giving them a forum. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I continue to. Um, before the, the show even aired the first episode, just uh, in response to the trailer, I was getting lots of tweets calling for it to be, you know, canceled, uh, not to release it because... On what grounds? Platforming dangerous misogyny. Uh... Yeah. Um, giving a voice to hateful, uh, whatever, whatever. Um, and it, it continues to come in. I, I do get hate mails and horrible reviews, mm-hmm. you know, frequently. Really? Yeah. Really? And yet it, it stands the reason that you can't understand a phenomenon unless you study it. And in, in order to study it, you have to go back to primary data, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, what you're doing with this project, it kind of reminds me uh, again of my, my days in Intel where you, you collect raw intelligence, whether it's from a, a human source or a technical source, and you you assess it for its reliability. Is it true? Is it fake? Because there's mm-hmm. all kinds of fake info out there. And then you, you read it to understand what, what the bad guys are planning to do. It doesn't seem like there's anything different than what you're doing than what, than what I used to do. Yeah, I, I would like to think so. If there is, in fact, this very, very small... Uh, fringe that engages in violence. Where do you stand? And again, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you think that the violent incels who end up planning or carrying out acts uh, of violence against women, although again, there have been men who have been killed. We saw men killed in in Mm -hmm. Toronto, Alec Manassian's attack, and of course, Elliot Roger killed men as well. In your mind, um, and I I don't know whether you consider yourself a specialist in terrorism, in your mind, does this constitute an act of terrorism if an incel does end up killing somebody? I, I, I couldn't personally make that leap to call it terrorism. I, I know that in the United States, for instance, just as of last year, September, I think the DHS added a new um, definition to its areas of interest called targeted violence, um, which was meant to be used to describe an act kind of commensurate with terrorism, but that doesn't have a, a clear political motive. Um, so that would include things like, you know, the, some of the racially based, um, violence, some of the far right stuff, um, though that's certainly a lot more political than incels in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, they introduced that language. Um, and I guess you, you could call it that in a sense that you could say that these people are, um, committing this kind of act of vengeance against something, against society to make a statement. But I don't really believe that in any of these cases, and I could name all of the cases that have been associated with them at this point. um, I I just don't, I don't see it that way. I see it as being a lot more similar to say school shootings. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, the, the motive isn't clear. The goal isn't clear. Um, it, it's not an organized group, you know, and the, the, the ends aren't clear that the purpose, what they're trying to accomplish is so 
it's so kind Neb- of nebulous, nebulous. nebulous yeah. Exactly. That's the word I was looking for. It is so nebulous <laughs> that, um, that I, I just, I don't, you know, it, the way you define terrorism is something that you kind of specialize in. So the way that you define terrorism, when we spoke, um, I, I don't think this meets that criteria, but I, I understand calling it that because like domestic terrorism, it is meant to, you know, it's enacted on strangers. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's meant to terrorize, I guess, a community. But I just, I think it's different. I'm going to assume for argument's sake that uh, in the United States, like in Canada, you have like hate crime legislation whereby mm-hmm. if you target a particular group, say African-Americans or Asian-Americans or LGBT or whatever, that uh, that's, you know, in, in, in Canadian law, what, what the judge can do is if, if you kill somebody and it, it's determined that you did so out of hate, I, it was a targeted killing, mm-hmm. that in fact, the judge has the, the wherewithal to actually increase your sentence because it was done for hateful reasons. Is, you know, is that the way it works in the States as well? Yeah, that's our how our hate crime legislation works too. Um, I don't know that this would meet that either because for a hate crime to, you know, be a hate crime, the victims have to be... Um, selected deliberately based on something to do with their identity. Right. And right. a lot of the incel quote unquote incel killings are indiscriminate. You know, they're just whoever was there. So it could in fact be that uh, maybe one of the best strategies going forward from the prosecution's perspective, if, you know, obviously if I, if I kill person a, that's a fairly definable fact that there's not mm-hmm. a lot of controversy that I pull the trigger or plunge a knife into someone's chest. Uh, yeah, I think one of the problems that, or one of the concerns I have is that if you charge someone with, with, with terrorism, uh, you've got to prove motivation beyond a reasonable yeah. doubt. And if you can't do that, then it calls into question whether or not the case is going to succeed. So that's sort of one of the arguments I've been, I've been putting forward. Um, you know, you talked about, we are talking about, you know, whether to call this terrorism and, and you and I spoke before and you talked about school shooters, for example, mm-hmm. and there's a policy, I think, especially in your country, less so in my country, but sometimes there to not name these people for fear of giving them notoriety. Do you feel that the same way about incel killings? I feel the same way about all these kinds of killings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I told you that I've spoken to Jim Cohen, who was one of the uh, special agents on that, the Aurora 2012 Aurora right. movie theater shooting. And I think- In Colorado. Yes, exactly. The yeah. Batman opening. Um, I think that that's when the first time they decided to, you know, um, use that to, to not name them for, you know, the very specific purpose of not glamorizing them, not glorifying them. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a really good policy. If I didn't cover these killers so specifically for, for the show, I would try to, you know, adhere to it. I still do kind of, because I, I feel that the media attention and the notoriety that is granted these killers is part of the motivation for it with these kinds of shootings. Now, last time you and I spoke, Nama, you actually indicated that you'd seen some evidence in the work that you've done that by calling it terrorism, some of these guys saying, yeah, we finally made it to the big time. People finally notice what we're doing and we're getting some kind of, it's almost like a boost in their ego. Is that something that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have very active forums. You know, they're very quick on the news. (laughs) And so whenever something happens, you know, there's a lot of, you see kind of all the chatter about it and you get a good sense of what the opinion is in the community. And it varies. A lot of them, usually kind of the older ones and the moderators, the ones with more responsibilities are, um, they don't want to be associated with terrorism. They understand the possible implications legally and otherwise, and they kind of are trying to 
push back against that and against the image of them as being violent killers, which most of them are not. But a lot of them are kind of like, yes, you know, they, they talk about um, the Isla Vista shooting and, and right. say how if that wasn't made into, you know, the scary story about this is now some kind of new terrorism that we don't know anything about. If they didn't get this attention, this gravitas, then nobody would know who we are. And this is a, a population that already feels small and unseen and often weak. You know, these are the betas, you know, the beta uprising. These are the beta males. So they, they don't feel tough. And, you know, that's something that they probably enjoy a little bit. <laughs> If I could ask you too, Nama, do you find within this, so the, the fringe element that turns violent, do you find that because they're so, as you said, in tune to the news, they follow those things, they're they're almost like, um, I don't know, anal in, in how much they, they want to learn about what people think of them, what they're saying. Do you see an element of copycat amongst this crowd as well? I think it's all copycat. I, I yeah. think that all of the, I think that Alec Manassian was a copycat. I think that um, Chris Harper Mercer was a copycat. I think that um, Scott Bayarly and, and all of these guys implicated in this list have all been copycats. They um, they fuse their identity with Elliot Roger a lot. You know, he left. Is his- it, isn't he Saint Elliot to some of these guys? Yeah, and most people, again, vast majority, almost everyone that I've spoken to, say that ironically because they know it's they know people are looking. You know, um, and it's kind of a way to intimidate the normies the outsiders mm. um so it's not usually said in in earnest but but some of them really do you can tell like alec manessian for one he is an, an example sure. he really i believe in as we saw in his you know interrogation footage and everything that some of that was fabricated a bit but i don't think he fabricated it i think he kind of really felt this connection to these guys. Elliot Roger left a very compelling long manifesto. Right. Called the revolution kind of thing. Let's start the revolution and get get what we want kind of thing. I mean, that's what, yeah, Alec Manassian was saying things like that. And he was saying he was so inspired by Elliot Roger and Chris Harper Mercer. So in your estimation, Nama, having done this for a number of years, having talked, as you say, hundreds of these these incels, the vast majority of whom are just the kids that want to talk or people that want to talk to people and, you know, are having issues with relationship formation, things like that. How worried should we be about the violent fringe of, of the incel movement? I mean, I think that there is obviously cause to worry. You know, I, I talk about the low rate of individuals that go on to become violent, but any any number and the, the lethality of their killings is very high. And obviously this is concerning. There's obviously something going on. But I think instead of only focusing on those incidents and being worried that another one will happen, I think we maybe should be looking at their grievances and be worried about what is going on societally that people feel like this, you know, and maybe addressing that. 
I, if I can also draw another analogy, you know, there's something similar in, in, in terrorism, sort of uh, from a government perspective. Obviously, those that are planning attacks, you have to identify and neutralize before they do it. Mm-hmm. But it's this, this big field about identifying those who are on the pathway to radicalization, yes. whatever yes. that's supposed to mean, mm-hmm. and to try to get to them before it gets to that violent fringe. Would you would you advocate something similar amongst the vast majority of incels who are nonviolent to sort of help them with whatever help they need before that very, very small number reach that violent end? Definitely. Yeah. Cool. And are you aware of any efforts in that regard in the United States or Canada? No, I'm not. I mean, there's been a, a bit of talk within the community itself now um, t- to try to find something like that. There isn't really anything, though. Um, people are still, they don't even know anything about this. You know, practitioners, mental health practitioners don't know anything about this. Um, it's it's a new thing. And the reaction to it is so strong and vehement and you know mm. it's just these guys are these, these guys are pariahs like why would we yeah. want to help lowest of the low misogynist women who are also people? killers now yeah yeah interesting yeah i i, had, I have to confess when alec manassi carried out his attack a little more than two years ago in toronto i never heard the term incel and mm. it was new to me, it was new to me so clearly it wasn't part of the mainstream discourse in, ter- in terms of violence uh, now but before i let you go is there anything else you want to sort of leave my listeners with in terms of you know, what, what you've learned or moving forward, anything you want to sort of, you know, this, the, the, the 20 seconds or, or two minutes of this is the one thing I want you to take away from this podcast. Um, yes. Uh, I guess it's just um, for people that don't know anything about this or that are maybe just starting to hear about it. It really, it really sounds scary. And it, it is scary when we know that there people are killed over this, but um keep in mind, try to keep an open mind and realize that the vast majority of these guys are just really shy, maybe a little bit late in their development. They just want to be heard. They just want people to listen to them and acknowledge them. And it's, it's not that uncommon. I I believe it will become more common soon. It's kind of happening quickly. And, um, and you probably, you might even know someone who has questioned this. Young people have access to the internet you know, way more than any of us do. And they learn things quickly. And it's, think about how common it is for someone to question their own um, value as a, as a person, their sex appeal and stuff at at that age. And, you know, think that questioning it might lead to an internet query that would lead to these forums. I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Nama, but to my mind, anyone who doesn't question at some point in their life, why they're not getting laid more is probably not a normal person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Listen, this has been fantastic. I, w- I want to thank you. And can you just to let, my, let us, my listeners know how to find your podcast, The Incel Project? Yes, um, it is called Incel. If you just type in Incel, it's the only one. Um, and it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all that stuff. So, you know, look for Incel and give it a listen. <laughs> I highly recommend you do that, folks, because I have I listened to a few and they really are fascinating conversations. So I, I again, Nama, not only do I thank you, but I commend you for doing this. As you, as we've said, there's not a lot of people doing absolutely primary research, talking to people. There's some, been some primary research on manifestos and some of the statements online, mm-hmm. but actually actually interviewing these people is uh, I hope I hope to hear more, I, not just from you, from other people that are taking this thing and want to understand it better. So thank you very, very much for, for sharing your knowledge and your experience on the podcast today. Thank you. 
So that was my interview with Nama Cates. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about incels? What do you think about the whole terrorism slash hate crime slash misogyny? You can reach me on my website, www.borealisthreatenedbrits.com or on Twitter at Borealis Saves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you want to subscribe to all the content, all my podcasts such as this one, Intelligent Look at Terrorism, Quick Hits, Today in Terrorism, etc., etc., please go to my website, go to the subscribe button, fill in your information, and you'll receive a daily digest email every morning. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.